What strange times we live in, what strange times we're gathered virtually, electronically, via the internet, but we're here because God's people need one another in times like this. My name is Ed Stetzer. I'm the interim teaching pastor here. And for those of you who are joining us in our normal congregation, we're so glad you're here. We also recognize a lot of others are joining us. Those of you who came via the Fox News article, we're glad you're here. I'm the interim teaching pastor, though, not the pastor. And you heard earlier in the service next week, this congregation will actually be voting on a potential new pastor as well. So we're excited about all the things God is doing here. I've been the interim teaching pastor here for three and a half years. And the thing I said very beginning as I began this interim, when Pastor Lutzer, the long-tenured and well-loved pastor, became the pastor emeritus, we were in a time of interim, and I said then, and I want to remind you today, Moody Church is not on pause, it's on mission. As a matter of fact, that's actually the title of my message today with an extra word, not on pause, but still on mission. You know, it's interesting because what we find and what we see is, is that the people of God come to times when times get difficult, times become challenging, and this is not the first time that we've been in this position, in this moment where we're not sure what's going on outside. We're not sure what the future holds. We don't always know what's happening in the moment, but we still know that God has called us to his mission. So we're gathered here to electronically to talk about what that might mean. And as we always do at the Moody Church, we're going to look to the scriptures and walk through them so we might think scripturally, biblically, right, missionally in this time. The passage we're going to look at today is actually found in John chapter 20. Maybe you've got a Bible nearby. Maybe if you're watching on your browser, you can open another window. And we're going to look at John chapter 20, verses 19 through 21. John chapter 20, uh, verses 19 through 21. So let's take a look together and we'll walk through this passage. It says this, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, right? So this is a Sunday night that they're gathered together. This is John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. They were locked behind closed doors. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders who might arrest them and more. It says, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. You're going to need that word, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So that's the passage we're looking at today. And as we kind of walk through this passage, what we'll find and we'll see is that it contains a lot of truth that can be directly applicable to our moment and our time as well. So we'll walk through this passage little by little. Now, we are gathered here. We're still gathered, right? Not with feet and faces, but with electrons and avatars. And, but today's message is not about gathering. It's about scattering. Four things we're going to look at today. Number one on our outline, fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. It says this in John 20, verse 19. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Let's look at this passage just a bit, right? So Jesus has been resurrected. They maybe have heard, but they're gathered in fear. The doors are locked. Why are the doors locked? Because they're afraid of some of ultimately the Jewish leaders might engage as well. So the doors locked for fear of the Jews. So what's happening here is 
they're hiding behind closed doors. Now, ironically, many people are watching around the world, but in Illinois, our governor has put us on lockdown, right? Unless you're essential services, which actually we, we fit that definition here. That's why we're here broadcasting, encouraging our congregation as well. But they were behind closed doors because of their fear as well. So what happens in fear? What happens in that fearful moment? Well, it says this, the doors being locked were the disciples were for the fear of the Jews. Um, why? Maybe in a sense because they didn't think, they didn't know, they weren't sure that Jesus was ultimately coming back. He ultimately was resurrected. He had been with them for years. They had been with him for years. He had told them over and over again. Now in this moment, they were behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. But here's the deal. If Jesus really came back, wouldn't that change everything? Wouldn't that change everything 2,000 years ago? Wouldn't that change everything right now? Maybe you're dealing with some fear wherever you are. Maybe you're in a lockdown state. There are four right now, more probably coming. Maybe you've watched the news. Maybe you need to stop watching the news for a few hours because the fear has gripped you. And what I want to say to you is fear is the opposite of faith. The disciples were afraid because they weren't sure yet that Jesus had been risen from the dead. If they had that certainty, fear would evaporate at that moment. And as you know, something is about to happen. Now, I, this is not the only place that Jesus sends us on mission. Now, we're going to talk about being on mission by the time we're done. This is not the only place that he sends us on mission. But here, in, let's look over in Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. Let's, let's take a look at it together, right? Acts chapter 1, verse 6 says this. It says, since they had come together, they asked him, Lord, at this time, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, now, don't miss this. By now, they know he's been resurrected, but maybe there's a sense of uncertainty. Maybe I sense still a hint of fear. Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, is this the time? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. In other words, uh, maybe you're on a planning committee at work. Maybe you're doing a lot of planning online now, right? And here's what he says, it's not for you to know the times or the periods the Father has set by his own authority. You're not on the time and the date committee. You're on the welcoming committee. That's your job. And then he says this to them. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So here in John 20, 19 through 21, Jesus appears. We'll see that in just a moment but they're in fear. Maybe in Acts 1, 6, you sense that same, Lord, is this it? Is, is this the time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? So fear is still a danger today. But here's what I want you to hear. We need not fear when we know that Jesus has been risen from the dead. 2,000 years ago, that was the fear they felt. Maybe you fear that now. You feel that fear now. But here's the reality. I think ultimately this is the time and this is the day for followers of Jesus not to be driven by or hiding away because of fear. I think it's time for them to show and share the love of Jesus. You might say, Ed, are you saying that we should just ignore the orders of the county, the state, or the national, or wherever we might be? No, not at all. I'm saying so in responsible ways, we've got to get over the fear, not be on pause in this crisis, but be on mission. A couple weeks ago, I had the privilege of meeting with the Surgeon General. We were meeting just a group of five or six of us, I guess, and we were talking about HIV AIDS and a plan to engage faith communities. And obviously the conversation turned to coronavirus and Surgeon General Adams said, we need faith communities. 
We need them. And he asked me to share, and I'm sharing with our church at Moody Church and others watching online, we need you. Here's the thing I don't want you to miss, right? This is not the crisis. It's really important that you get this, right? This is the pause before the crisis. The reason we're on pause is to try to slow the crisis that is coming. But what we're experiencing now is not the crisis. So followers of Jesus need to, in this time, recognize that fear is the opposite of faith, to be ready in faith to show and share the love of Jesus. We've heard over and over again, it's going to get worse before it gets better. May we be among those who say, Lord, use us in the midst of this crisis. Now, I don't want to give you medical diagnoses. I'm not a I'm not a doctor. I actually technically am a doctor, but my daughters say I'm the kind of doctor who doesn't really help people. So I'm not a, like a physician as well. But here's the thing, and I don't want you to miss this, right? If we're behind closed doors because of fear, we ultimately may miss what God has for us in this time as we step out in faith. Let me give you an example. I had the privilege yesterday of going to my neighbors, right? I'd meet them. I might ring a doorbell. I'd take my little Lysol wipe and I ring the doorbell and I step back about seven, eight feet down the steps and I say to them, hey, listen, it's, you know, we're seeing all this on the news. I just want to make sure you're okay. Can we be of help? Gathered some phone numbers, said we're going to pray for them, asked if anything to pray for. Why? Because we're not on pause. We're on mission. And so it is with Moody Church. So number one on our outline is fear is the opposite of faith. Number two on our outline is that peace is the Christian response. Peace is the Christian response. This is how Christians respond in times of fear. This is how Christians respond in times of worry. It says this, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. So this is Jesus' word for you as a follower of Jesus who may be in fear. Peace be with you. Don't miss that word because Jesus is about to say it a second time. Listen, when Jesus says something once, you ought to be paying attention. When he says it twice, it'll have your full attention. And Jesus says, peace be with you. Now, why say such a thing? Because they're afraid. And in times where people are frightened, in times when people are unsure, we see God speak sometimes through angels. We see God speak sometimes through his people. We always see him speak through his word. And he says, do not be afraid. Right? So we've talked about that though, right? You said, Ed, you covered that already, right? Fear is the opposite of faith. But now peace is the Christian response. Look with me at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7, it says this, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Listen, don't miss this, right? If you're having peace right now, that's surpassing all understanding. And we're not in the crisis yet. And when we're in the crisis, you're gonna have peace that surpasses all understanding. We're gonna show and share the love of Jesus in the midst of a world that's in a greater crisis that's a few weeks from now. You say, Ed, are you, are you expressing this like, should we be afraid? Should we be, are, are you making predictions? None of those things. I'm just listening to the experts who tell us that we're not yet in the crisis we're coming to the crisis. And in the midst of that crisis, you and I and every follower of Jesus needs the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just say to you, if you are not a follower of Jesus, I want to say to you that you can have that 
peace that passes all understanding, but that peace that passes all understanding does not come from right now kind of centering yourself. It does not come from taking a deep breath. My watch keeps telling me to breathe. I, I'm breathing fine. I'm not sure why it's telling me, but that's not how peace is going to come to you. Here's what I want you not to miss. Maybe this is your first time listening in in a church service for your whole life. Let me say to you good news. Jesus died on the cross for your sin and in your place. And here's the great thing. He was dead on Friday and on Sunday, God brought him back to life. And right now in the midst of this crisis, you need the peace of following somebody who was dead on Friday and on Sunday, not so much. You need that peace that passes all understanding. You say, Ed, how might I receive that peace? By receiving Christ by calling out to him, asking him to forgive you of your sins. Lord, forgive me, right to the Father. It says if we forgive our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? How? Because Jesus died on the cross for your sin and in your place, so you might receive by grace and through faith the good news of the gospel. So what then do we do? They were wondering right at this time if this was the end, what's going to happen next? And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Not once, but we'll see in a minute, twice. So I'll lead us to number three on our outline. Number three is the cross is always our hope and motivation. The cross is always our hope and motivation, right? Fear is the opposite of faith. Peace is the Christian response. The cross is always our hope and motivation. So don't miss the details given in the passage. Here's what it says. When he had said this, this is Jesus here. When Jesus had said this, Jesus showed them, his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Of course they were glad when they saw the Lord, right? We could have just gone with this sentence without the prior sentence, right? Of course they were glad. Jesus was dead. Now he's alive. They're glad. But Jesus does something and John records something with a purpose, with a point. John records that when Jesus had said this, peace be to you, he showed them his hands and his side. Don't miss this, right? This is key. The cross is always our hope and always our motivation. So why did Jesus show them these things? Because he was resurrected, right? His body has been physically and bodily resurrected, brought back from the dead. There was some distinction of this body because he just appears behind closed doors now, but this was the body in which he died and now resurrected, and he wanted them to know. He could have just easily shown them his hands right? And then they know he was crucified. But he actually, and think then of the robes maybe they wore 2,000 years ago. He makes a point of showing them his side where the spear struck him and where blood and water flowed. He makes a point of letting them see the nail marks in his hands, the spear strike in his side. Now, then the disciples were glad they saw the Lord. Let's not miss that. Then the disciples were glad they saw the Lord. You see, when you get that the resurrection of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection changes everything, then you too will be glad. And they were glad when they saw the Lord and we were glad we know him today. You know, it's interesting. Um, I have no idea if you or anyone in your family will get sick. I read the same projections on the news that you read and this will probably be, um, talk to a member of, uh, doing a series of podcast interviews, talk to a member of Congress and talk to some about their we're releasing it on a podcast. People can find it if they'd like to. It's stetzerleadershippodcast.com, all on the coronavirus right now. And I asked this uh, member of Congress, um, 
how big of a deal is this? And he said it'd be the biggest deal since World War II. This is the biggest reality probably our generation will see. Now, here's the reality, right? So there's, there was a bit of a controversy two or three weeks ago about is this political overblown? And just so thankful we've moved past that and all of us see just how big of a situation this is. But here's the irony, is that when I quote a Bible verse like the one I'm about to quote, or we sing a song, we sang a song, Keith Getty and their team just recently wrote and released just days ago, Christ our hope in life and death. And I, and I, I sing that and, and, and we, we get a picture of this and, and people are like, well, what are you saying? Are you singing about life and death? Or, or take a look at Romans 14.8. Here's what it says. It says, for if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. I don't want you to miss this, right? Okay, this verse, this verse is a verse we shared here three, four months ago. You just might not have noticed it, but the Bible is filled with references to whether we live or whether we die, that we are the Lord's. But maybe right now, our eyes will be opened a bit more to the beauty of those verses. You see, this is not the first time that the church of Jesus Christ has faced a difficult time, a pandemic even, right? The building I'm sharing to you right now in 1918, 1919, it was pastored by someone named Paul Rader. Same building we're in right this very moment. And, and we actually don't have records from that day. The records of the Moody Church are at the Billy Graham Center where I have the privilege of leading and serving. And uh, we looked, there's no records of what happened that day. But here's what we know. In 1918 and 1919, Paul Rader was the pastor of when a time when Spanish flu tore through this world. As a matter of fact, it's by most standards, Spanish flu will be substanti was substantially worse than the situation that we're facing. But here's the thing I don't want you to miss, right? Moody Church is still here. Moody Church can come and go, right? But the people of God are still here. The gospel was preached during the Spanish flu, and this church is still preaching the gospel a century later. Why? Because the cross is always our hope and motivation. So if we live or if we die, we have hope. And our motivation flows from the fact that the world needs to know this hope. Now here's the reality and some caution, right? In the coming weeks, you'll hear our staff mobilize our church to serve the marginalized, already in the process, serve the marginalized, the isolated, the poor, the hurting. We've always done that here at Moody Church, 150 years. And in doing so, there'll be some ways you'll get involved, some ways you might be responsible, uh, some ways that we'll talk about how we cautiously do these things, but that won't be for everybody. Some of you will have conditions that maybe say you can't go out when that time might come when we might be delivering something to somebody who is alone and frightened. Maybe you can't go out, but you know what? You're going to have a phone and you can call people and you can pray and you can serve others that way. Those who have internet can communicate that way. We're going to mobilize our congregation because Moody Church in the pandemic is not on pause. It's still on mission. Just like it was a century ago when Paul Rader stood on these steps and just like it will be if Jesus tarries, it will be 50 years from now. Moody Church is not on pause. It's on mission. And if you're watching and you're from another church, let me say that those words need to ring in your ears as well. This is not the crisis. The crisis is coming. 
Your church and Moody Church needs to be prepared, and we will show and share the love of Jesus in the midst of this because Christ, our hope in life and death. Let's go through our outline again so we take a look of where we are. Right, number four we're at now. We always go because Jesus came to us, but let's look. Fear is the opposite of faith, right? We're not living and walking in fear. Peace is the Christian response, a peace that passes all understanding. The cross is always our hope and motivation, right? It's our hope in that we trust him regardless of our physical state and condition. It's our motivation because we're serving others in the midst of this crisis. And number four, we always go because Jesus came to us. We're actually supposed to be having our missions conference right now here at Moody Church. Our guest speaker was Adam Greenway, president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, We're supposed to be celebrating missions and missionaries and more. But instead, what we're doing is we're broadcasting from a site, socially distanced from one another, and you're watching at home. Here's the reality. During the Spanish flu, churches still sent missionaries, and so will we. Because the reality is the hope that Jesus brings compels us to go. Matter of fact, we always go because Jesus came to us. Let's look at the verse. It says this, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Some key words in here, right? Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. If you didn't catch it the first time, listen, when Jesus says something once, you ought to listen. When he says something twice, it ought to be the focus of your life. Right now, peace be with you, sisters and brothers. As the Father has sent me, even so, in the Greek that's aute, even so, in a like manner, in a similar manner, not for the same purpose. Jesus didn't send you to die on the cross for the sins of men and women. But the Father has sent Jesus. Now, don't miss this. This is after 40 times saying that he was sent by the Father. Now, as the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. I don't want you to miss this because 40 times in the Gospel of John, Jesus says he's sent by the Father. In different formats and means, he says, the Father has sent me. I'm sent by the Father. And then at the end of saying that 40 times, he says, oh, I mean, As the Father has sent me, even so, in the same like manner, I am sending you. Now, here's the deal. That command, we call it a commission in the church, that commission didn't end in December 1919 with the diagnosis of what was at first called coronavirus, now often called COVID-19. Why? Because Christians go. That didn't end when we got the word that it was here in the United States. Why? Because Christians go. Matter of fact, we always go. But why? Because Jesus came to us. It's just who we are. You know, my, my family, I grew up on Long Island outside of New York City. Um, my uncle was a New York City cop, and my grandfather was a fire battalion chief in New York City. And I remember something. My grandfather had a big influence on my life. I remember him saying to me, and he was my hero, and he said to me, uh, Firemen, today we'd say firefighters. Firefighters run towards the things everyone else runs away from. Firefighters run towards the fire. Uh, his influence on my life is such, this is actually a picture of his badge and my, my uncle's as well. And, and uh, Bannon is my mother's maiden name. And, and you can see the fire battalion chief uh, department, uh, New York. And, and I always remembered that. It always stuck with me that firefighters run towards what everyone else runs away from. 
Now again, firefighters take cautions. Firefighters don't do this casually or without wisdom and discernment. But here's the deal. Christians run towards crises. Why? Because Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. In a way that perhaps never before, Moody Church, we're going to need to run towards a crisis. Not in haphazard ways, just as a firefighter wouldn't do so. You'll hear guidance and direction from our staff and more about how we might wisely but courageously show and share the love of Jesus in this time. Why? Because we go because Jesus came to us and we're still supporting missionaries around the world. Your giving helps with that. We're still looking. Maybe God's going to lay on your heart during this crisis. You're going to see some country on the news and you're going to say, Lord, help me to begin to prepare. These times are serious times. This is not the crisis, but we're going to be ready to show and share the love of Jesus here at Moody Church. I had the privilege of um, sharing an article this week in USA Today. Whenever I get the opportunity, I want to share some scripture and some gospel. And I wrote an article. Let me just share a little bit about a character, an historian named Eusebius. Eusebius is his name. Because why, why would Christians run towards a crisis? Here's a little bit of what I wrote. Stepping back for a moment, it's worthy to ask why the Christian church has and is now again called to live in such a sacrificial way. The answer is in part the description of Christians as, quote, citizens of heaven, unquote, Philippians 3.20. Thus, our hope is not in this life, but in the one to come. So I don't want you to miss this, right? So we're, as followers of Jesus, called to be citizens of heaven and right now to join Jesus on his mission to show and share his love to a frightened and hurting world. As an example of that Eusebius writes of, he's an historian, he describes a fourth century epidemic. And let me say again, nobody thinks that the coronavirus crisis is going to look like the fourth century plague or anything like that. But Eusebius records that, quote, all day long, the Christians tended to the dying and to the burial, countless numbers with no one to care for. Others gather together from all parts of the city, multitude of those withered from famine and distributed bread to them all. Let me say again, nobody thinks that this pandemic is going to look like that crisis. However, I hope that Eusebius' description of the Christians might be similar. Here's what he said. He concludes quoting about the Christians, quoting, the Christians, quote, deeds were on everyone's lips and they glorified the God of the Christians, unquote. Sisters and brothers, my prayer is that, well, might be three months from now or a year from now, we don't know, that people might look back and see and glorify the God of the Christians. As a matter of fact, maybe right now you don't know Christ and I'm calling you today to trust and follow him. And in doing so, you've already heard about what Christians have done, but in doing so to ultimately show and share the love of Jesus in a very tumultuous time. You may, may or may not know if you're 10 Moody Church, you know that actually this passage is my favorite passage, John 20, 21. But I've actually never preached through the whole passage from 19 to verse 21 until this crisis. But my favorite verse in the New Testament is John 20, 21. My favorite verse from the Old Testament is actually Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Let me show it to you, and then I'm going to kind of explain just a little bit of what's going on. In Isaiah 6, 8, it says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, this is Isaiah, here I am, Lord, send me. Now, I need to give you a little background of what's going on here content-wise, right? Because in Isaiah 6, it says right at the beginning, In the year 
that King Uzziah died. Let me just tell you, in the year King Uzziah died, that's a big deal. That's a big reality. Somebody has died. There's tumult in the kingdom. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And then Isaiah walks us through this remarkable vision. I don't have time to explain it all, but he hears, holy, holy, holy Lord. It's, he sees these angels with six wings, two covered the face, two they're flying around, and he he, 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 an angel comes and purifies his lips with a burning coal and all these things go on. It's a time of tumult and confusion and fear. Not dissimilar maybe to the fear the disciples had in John 20, 20, uh, John 20, 19. Not dissimilar maybe to the fear that a lot of people are having around the world right now. And centuries ago in the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah encounters the Lord and in encountering the Lord, Again, here's what he said. Let's take a look. It says this. It says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. So that's the prayer I'm actually asking you to take and to make today. If you're a follower of Jesus at Moody Church or watching online, this is our moment. This is our time. A lot of things said about Christians over the last few years that some true, probably a lot not true. But here's what I know. Here's what I know, and here's what I think you need to know. Fear is the opposite of faith. We're not here to walk in fear. We're here to trust the Lord in the midst of this crisis too. Peace is the Christian response. Peace that passes all understanding. Number three, the cross is always our hope and motivation. Sisters and brothers, I don't know what to tell you other than this. I can have hope and confidence and believe that the Lord is at work because we know the cross is our hope and motivation because we always go because Jesus came to us. We always go because Jesus came to us. So these times, this is our moment. Responsibly, carefully, people who have underlying conditions doing things that are appropriate for what they can do, but this is our time, Moody Church. This is our time, Church of Jesus Christ. The church, Moody Church, your church, the church must not be on pause, but must still be on mission. This is not the crisis. May we say, here I am, Lord, send me now and in the weeks to come. Father, we yield ourselves to you, trusting you, knowing with great certainty that you, Lord, are at work and your grace is gonna be evident and real. Father, we today say, here I am, Lord, send me. If you're watching and maybe, again, you've never been to church, maybe this is just an online journey for you. Can I just say, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not sure where you are with God, don't leave this moment without being sure. And I want to invite you just to pray this simple prayer with me. Matter of fact, others watching are praying for you right now. And you can say, Lord Jesus, just cry out to him, silently to the Lord. You don't have to be silent. Right there, you're probably watching on your screen. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. I trust you today. I trust you in this crisis. And I trust you with my life. I receive the new life you have given me. And I trust and follow you as my Savior and Lord. Father, I prayed for women and men, young people who just prayed that prayer that you might give them an assurance right now that you hold them in your hand. 
that the same God who raised Jesus from the dead has now sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in them. And their confidence is not in themselves, but in the Christ who died and was buried and was raised on the third day. If you're a follower of Jesus, I just want to ask you this as well. I want to ask you just to say, you heard the Lord say in Isaiah, he says, who will go for us? Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Right now, could you maybe prepare your heart for the weeks to come and just say it between you and the Lord and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Just quietly pray to the Lord. I'm praying it. Here I am, Lord, send me. That's our prayer, Lord. That's all of our prayers. And Father, I pray for the people of Moody Church, and I pray for people watching online around the world, that in the midst of this crisis, we might be faithful, and ultimately, people might look back three months, six months, a year from now, and the deeds of the Christians, those deeds will be on everyone's lips, and they glorify the God of the Christians. We yield ourselves to you. We pray for our nation. We pray for our world. And we pray for your presence. And Lord Jesus, we pray for your church. Lord, we know this is our moment in the power of the Holy Spirit. Cause us to rise up, to show and share the love of Jesus into a frightened, confused, lost, and needy world. For it's in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen and amen.